morning as we read Psalms 23 again for our summer series, All I Need, All I Need. She'll get mad at me for saying this, but I just want to say that it's wonderful to have my friend Leslie with us today. Um, Her and her husband are visiting with us from out of town, and I've told her this privately, and I want to tell you publicly, and you've heard some of the illustrations, but in the darkest period of your pastor's life, there was a group of a couple, two couples and two individuals that walked beside me and encouraged me and prayed for me and stood by me. And she is one of those people. And it's a joy to have you today. Would y'all honor her this morning just for being with us? Let's read aloud. I'll start and then I'll fade out and you continue. The Lord is my shepherd. You may be seated this morning. And I just want to say a quick prayer for myself. And if you would, just join with me in asking the Lord to anoint me this morning. Father, I just present myself to you as humbly as I know how. Um, After 30 years, I'm still amazed that you can use someone like me or that you even give me opportunity. And I confess my weakness and my frailties. And I just ask that you would strengthen me by your Holy Spirit, that you would give me clarity of mind and thought, that I would be able to communicate in such a way that it would be easy to understand and it would go right to the heart of the listener. May they leave not thinking of me or this house, but may they get in their car and say to themselves out loud, surely today I heard the voice of God for my life. And I thank you in advance for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. David declared, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say, I have a shepherd. He didn't say that an institution or a denomination was my shepherd. He didn't say granddaddy was my rock or grandmama was my rock. He said, of all the people that I submit and give full control to my life, it's the Lord, the one that created everything, the one that's above all things, the one that was the beginning and the end the author and the finisher of my faith. He's my shepherd. We're in relationship. He leads. I'm the dumb sheep that follows. I know my position. I know my role. And today we're going to talk about, this is the third in our uh, installment. I want you to focus on verse 2 and 3a. I want to talk to you about the ministry of the shepherd. David declared, I'm not going to want for anything. The shepherd's going to see to it that he takes care of me. The gift of revelational knowledge. You know the difference between information and revelation? Information is a mental ascension or acceptance of a fact, but revelation is bam when you get it. This ain't in my notes. Kelly embarrassed me. I'm going to embarrass her. No, I'm not. She rarely gets the microphone, but this is long. But 
for I met her, so she is not responsible for any of the flaws in the nature of this guy. I remember my first kiss. Do you? Was it memorable? I remember her name. I will not call it because of the internet. I haven't seen her in 40-something years. Her name was Lisa. And she was teaching boys to kiss on the playground. Fifth grade. I got in line. I knew what kissing was. I'd seen it on television. I knew there was your... And I knew there was the... Oh. Well, she kissed me. I went from information... To revelation. Now, I told you something silly, but a majority of Christians live at an informational level and they never get hit with the idea. Kelly was praying over me. She does every Sunday morning before I preach. And she said, Lord, I just wanted to scream the lyrics of that song. See, someone else would say, God, my healer. But if you've been healed, my sister here almost died last year. On ICU, they gave her... Oh, no hope. And when, when, you, when you've been healed and you sing, God, my healer. When you've been provided for and you sing, God, my provider. When you've been abandoned and someone says, he's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That revelation. See, he prayed for us that we would, our eyes would be open and we would have a revelation of the height and the breadth and the length and the depth of the love of God for us. And when we say shepherd, we're not talking about a cute little postcard. We're talking about our entire life's journey. And my shepherd is the Lord. All right. Verse 2. He maketh me to lie down. He maketh me to lie down. If you're taking notes, number one, write this. My teacher demands that I rest. Oh, I'm going to make some choleric people mad today. And y'all, we have a low summer crowd, so you can't sit there all quiet and pious. If you laugh, you got to laugh a little louder. If you know, because it's like tough crowd, tough crowd. You got you got to help me. Okay. The ministry of the shepherd begins with rest. Isn't it funny that God in the beginning begins with work, and on the Sabbath day he what? And we say that's the pattern: work, 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 and rest. Well, wait a minute. God is an unlimited resource. You are not. The first thing we are to learn from our shepherd is not what our gift mix is, not how God can use us, how we can be successful, how to go to the next level. The first step in learning to live with the Lord, not salvation, this is post-salvation. After he rescues us, David said, looking over his shoulder, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to want, and let me tell you what he does. He makes me lie down. It's very hard to enter into deep things with God and the deep things of God if you still do not have the capacity, the desire, or the knowledge of how critical rest is, soul rest. That's your mind, body, emotions. Spiritual rest, which is peace with God and the peace of God. Physical rest, all right? Confession. I'm sweet. I'm a nice guy. But if daddy's tired, 
Got to get four hours sleep. And some of these guys work third shift. I sleep from 7 to 10 in the morning. Oh, no, 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 no. I'd stay on the phone with defects if I got three hours sleep all the time. I need rest. And the Bible says there's no rest to the wicked. So if we're living rebelliously, our, our soul never rests. And to the independent person, or you could say slash proud person, that takes the mantra, God gave me common sense, he gave me strength, and I'm going to work. And when I need to bring God in, I'll just bring him in. And they're like that washing machine that's out of balance. And you know what an out of balance washing machine will do. It'll walk from the, the closet down the hall into the den as long as the cord will. And the, their life is like this all of the time. And then they sing about the rest of Jesus and the peace of Jesus. Rest is twofold. There's the rest concerning my position. Brian, I got a short ring. I don't know if it's the monitors up here or what. Rest is, uh, first of all, understanding that I am completely saved. I'm saved. I'm not working to be saved. I'm working from my salvation. There's no striving. It's done. And forever will I be with the Lord. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm not trying to be saved. I'm not hoping to be saved. I'm not checking if I'm saved. Salvation began with the will of the Lord. He elected me. He chose me. He drew me. He rescued me. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it's over. I was saved. I am saved. And I'm being saved. But as far as God is concerned... It's a done deal. And there's a rest with that. Now, some Christians get that. But then once they're saved, they think God does. Okay, you're on your own. Make it work. And call on me if you need me. Gotcha. And their life is a constant cycle of success, stress, failure. Success, stress, failure. Your wife pays the tab. The children pay the tab. And the only time we're calm is when we feel like we've got things under control. And the secret that we have not learned is you have no control. None. None. But if the shepherd, who the earth is his footstool, has got me, then I can rest. You remember when Jesus was asleep on the boat? And they woke him and said, we perish, we perish. Where did they get that conclusion? They assessed the situation around them. The waves were beating into the ship, not over the ship, into the ship. And you know what a full boat does. It goes down. Wake, don't you care that we perish? And he stood up, he rebuked the wind and the sea. And he said, why is it that you don't have any faith? The first, and see, some of you skipped first grade and went to third grade. And you're struggling still. And you know certain things about the Lord. But you can't sleep in storms. You can't sleep under threat. You can't sleep with the unknown. And this isn't in my notes. But I feel I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Do I have your permission to just stay here? Is that okay? Simon Peter was one of the ones on the boat. And generally, I love Simon. I identify with Simon. He can say something so profound. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, Simon, you didn't come to that on your own. My father told you that. Yeah, yeah that's how I do. I, I, the Lord told me that. I knew that. 
And the next time he's telling Jesus, you know, be it far from you to go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So he went from <laughs> revelation man to Satan, you know, within a couple of days. So on the boat, I'm guessing Simon's the vocal one. Don't you care that we perish? And when he saw Jesus step out to the tip of the boat and spoke to nature and he said, hey, remember me? Stop it. And not only did the wind stop, but the waves stopped. Now, see, some of y'all have never spent no time on the water. Once the wind stopped, you're hours getting the waves to stop. And Jesus just spoke and cleared it. So here's Simon. Don't you care that we perish? Later on in his life, he penned the words, Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And we find him. You've got to see this with your mind's eye. James... Uh, the brother of John, was thrust through with a sword. He watched it. They stuck it through the man, pulled it out, and he crumpled. And they put the sword to Peter's throat and said, you're next in the morning. And the Bible said that same night, Simon Peter was asleep, chained to 16 soldiers. What does that look like? I'm going to try to give you a visual. I don't know. Let's see if we can get in. So, shackles, shackles. So this arm shackled the four guys. It says four quantirions of shoulders. That's King James for 16. This leg shackled the four guys. This leg, he ain't getting out. You follow me? They're serious about this. He's not going anywhere. So if he shackled all these guys, and I just submit this to you, the Bible doesn't say it, but how are you going to sleep? I believe he's... Hey, bro, can you come here just a little bit? Come, move, move over here. Get this one right here. Okay, I need some slack. Go around him. Okay, come here, come here. And he got everybody close enough, and he just went to sleep. He was going to die in the morning. But he had come to a place where he decided, if the Lord leads me to death, there's no getting around it. And if it ain't time to die, there's nothing they can do about it. Good night, boys. I'm going to get my rest. That's what David's talking about. He maketh me to lie down. And you can't figure out why with all your effort and all your pure motive and all of your expertise, why you can't get it finished. It's like, you ever turn two magnets backwards? And you can get them close, but it's like, uh, uh. and the Lord is the one opposing you. And I have a word for you. You will rest. Our children, when it becomes nap time, it's so funny. Y'all didn't tell me none of these things. Y'all saw me lifting up babies. We're adopting babies. Oh, nobody told me what was going to happen in my home. They'll be at the, at the uh, couch or in the car, you know, in the food, in the food asleep. Time to go to bed. Ping! You're going to bed. Mama, mama, okay, okay, first, okay, listen. I love you so much, Mama. You're the best Mama in the world. And Daddy, I, you're my favorite ever. And uh, can I have water? You know, and you're like, you're going to rest. Now, for us, the motivation is different. I must confess. Confession's good for the soul. We do not make them rest for them. We, we love schedule. Schedule is our best friend. Because if they don't rest... They levitate in the evenings. Don't let them little cute dresses fool you. Oh, yeah, they levitate. 
Now, the Lord doesn't do it for him, but he does it for us because if you don't learn to rest, the majority of your life will be out of balance because the world ain't going to stop. Difficulty is not going to stop. Unfairness is not going to stop. Attack and accusation, weaknesses, failures, none of that's going to stop. But Jesus said, and I'm, I'm using a verse ahead of time, but he said, come, learn of me, and you'll find rest for your souls. When I look at people, especially on Christian television, uh, some of my friends always like the guy that's the most powerful and the most charismatic. I like the person that's at peace because they know him. He maketh me. Just say that with me. He maketh me to lie down. A sleep, a, a sheep cannot rest unless four things are met. They must be relieved from all fear. They must be free from friction in the little, what do you call it, a flock of sheep? Not a flock of seagulls, but what's a sheep? What is A herd, there you go. If there's friction, you know, the sheep, you know, there's, even, there's a pecking order with chickens, but there's a, take this in the right way, don't laugh at it because it says budding, but there's a budding order. <laughs> where they bump into one another and the bigger sheep, a stronger one, you know, there's friction there. And if there's that, they won't sleep. If they're tormented by pest, they won't sleep. Or if they're hungry, they won't lie down if any of these things are going on. So listen to this. For us to be at rest, we must be relieved from fear, problems with our mind, our conscience, free from all friction. Okay, John, how do you... How do you get free from friction? I live with crazy people. I work with crazy people. I'm married into crazy people. This, never mind, Lord. Uh, how, how, how do you deal with that? And listen, the Lord doesn't pull you out of the environment. It's his presence and his ministry to you in the environment. He doesn't take the sheep out of the flock, uh, what he does, the herd. Did you know when they're fighting and jockeying for order, when the shepherd comes up, everybody behaves? Did you know that? Big fat grandma sheep over there, she's like, well, hello, shepherd, this is my friend. He's good. No problem between us. That stops. And for the pests that come and light upon them and go in their ears and torment them, the shepherd takes oil and rubs it in their ears and in their nose, and his ministry to them makes it uh, plausible, possible for them to live in that environment. You say, I can't rest. There's just too much going on. There's friction in my family. All, you don't need the change there. You need the change in here. And if you see the shepherd and you understand that he's watching, oh, I remember when this happened for me. You may not believe me, but it's truth. I remember when I saw it revelationally that God watches how everybody does me. I don't have to defend myself. And he watches how I do them too. And he said, vengeance is mine, which means you don't have to set them straight. You don't have to give them a piece of your mind. See, that's some of our problem. We gave away so much mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm his. I ain't got to worry about it. The shepherd is going to take care. We find relief not by being separated from difficulty but by the introduction of the shepherd into our environment. Rest is to be the foundation of our relationship. 
Rest is a non-negotiable. He maketh me. He maketh me. God will outlive you. Do you understand? He, he will frustrate you and you'll say things like, I, ju- I just can't do it. Now, now you're getting close. Now you're getting close. So we start our day not with the plan. We start our season not with the system. We start every school year, every year with our family, every season of opportunity or difficulty. We narrow our focus down to this one concept. You're all I have and you're all I need. And I am not going to worry about the things that I cannot control There will be difficulties. Some will make me sad. Some will make me happy. I know all that's going to hit me. But I'm going to leave the outcome of my life to you. There is a peace that settles in. And he says, it's one that passes understanding. Rest. He maketh me to lie down. It's non-negotiable. It's all-encompassing. Some of us cholerics, we want to rest and do something else at the same time. All right, I'm going to get in trouble. This ain't in my notes, but I'm having fun talking to you. This is just like in the counseling session. We're just talking. Don't talk to me and play with your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, Pastor? Eh, eh, eh. I'm going to walk off. I, I, where I grew up, that's disrespectful. Well, I know it's a different generation. 12 ounces is, today was 12 ounces 10, 20 years ago. You, you can't talk to me and talk to somebody else. Oh, yeah, I can, I can. Yeah, it's called dilution. And y'all who grew up drinking Tang, you know what dilution is. <laughs> you drink half a gallon and come home from school and mama done filled it back up. And it's not quite as orange. It ain't Tang, it's That's all it is. Ain't no Ang left. It's gone. And we want to do rest that way. We want to rest while doing work on the laptop and texting somebody and talking on the phone and making plans. And because we're sitting in a recliner, we're saying we're resting. Listen, physical rest, emotional rest, and spiritual rest is all inclusive. You cannot maintenance a moving car. He maketh me to lie down. There are men in this room, God put you on your back and you don't even realize it. He did to me. Third year of ministry in the church. I heard a man come in the office and call my name. He was a nice guy. He said, is Pastor John here? And I started trembling and I couldn't stop. And out loud I said, what is wrong with you? I had pushed and pushed and pushed because I had to be great. And the church had to be great. And we had to be known and visible and successful. And all he wants me to do is follow him and live with him. And production doesn't come from the man. We're to work hard, yeah. But unless the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. Sleep first. A rest in the, in the mind, in the body. Going to bed at one and getting up at four and t- working two jobs. And you got a nice bass boat, but your, your blood pressure's out the roof. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are, we, we are a spirit. Which that, our spirit is the only thing that can communicate to God. We have a soul, and our soul is the only thing that can communicate with other people. We live in a body. Our body communicates to this world. My body says, that hurt. That was not smart. Don't hit that. It tells me when it's hot or cold. Your soul connects with people. 
and your spirit connects with God. And God wants you to rest those three things. And it's not rest to be lazy. When you're at rest with the Lord and you're at rest in your soul and you're at rest in your body, you can work so hard and so effective. And you know what good sleep is? Like when a farmer works all day, you get good sleep. But you have to have rest before. And we're not taking care of ourselves. And please don't think I'm getting on to you. This comes from my backyard, okay? When you're not at rest, when you're not at peace with God, and you're not at peace with others, as much as possible at peace with others. You can't make crazy people not be crazy, okay? As much as possible. I love that he said that. Live at peace with all men as much as you can. Because some of them, you know. So, peace with God, peace with others, and rest in your body. If you're not rested, the demands keep coming, you keep meeting the demand, and you're bouncing checks. You're bouncing emotional checks, you're bouncing relational checks, and you're bouncing spiritual checks, and the service charges are going to kill you. Do you hear me? You can't go in the bank and say, oh, I didn't mean to. They're not taking them off. You look, have you ever, you ever bounced a check? It was for $51, you had 50 in your account, and because you didn't have a dollar, they charged you $35. That happens in our lives. I love it when the Christian mama will lean down, and instead of making excuses and telling her kids how crazy they are, she says, listen, mama didn't get enough rest last night. Come here, will you forgive me? That's it, mama didn't get enough rest. Mama's soul's not at rest. Mama's, mama's spirit's not at rest. We need, to, we need to take care of ourselves, and from that rest comes great strength and capacity and long-suffering and endurance But we've got the horse, the buggy before the horse, and it's not working for us. Rest is not something we would or could do on our own. That's why it said he makes us. He makes us lie down. And it's his trademark. It's his evidence and his proof. It's the signature of God that you walk with him when you're at rest. Okay, spent more time there than I planned on. So Number two, my shepherd not only demands that I rest, he nourishes me. In green pastures, not barren pastures. It is he who provides a desirable place for me to eat. And you contrast the sheep eating naturally with us eating spiritually. He provides desirable food for us through his word. He provides provides a desirable place to eat. Home groups, churches, uh, with friends of like faith. It is he who satisfies us. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this, Your words were found and I did eat them, and thy words were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart because I learned that I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. He leads us. If you follow the Lord, he, he will make you to lie down. He wants you to find your nourishment and then sleep in the same field. It's this way. In the satisfaction of knowing God, I find my bed. I'm eating in the pastures he's provided. And then I sleep in the new revelation of his word and who I am to him and what he expects of me. And great, deep rest. You know that heavy REM rest? And when your kid comes and wakes you up and you're in the middle. If I'm in the middle of a good nap, you know, attic fan nap in the spring... And a little girl will come in, and ours just stand by the bed. 
and <laughs> I'll react. I'll go, oh, hey, baby. Kelly go, oh! Kelly will scream, wake up the whole neighborhood. Don't do that to your mama. You're going to kill your mama. <laughs> that heavy rest where you wake up, you know, somebody dials the phone and we lie. You lie, you lie. And liars aren't going to heaven. Hey, did I wake you? No, no, you didn't wake me. The answer is Kansas. I woke you. Green pastures. If you're not living in green pastures and you're not resting in green pastures, the Lord is not leading you. My shepherd refreshes me. He leads me beside still waters. The waters are still because he slowed them. He's built dams and creek beds because sheep are afraid of turbulent waters because their wool will get heavy and they'll drown. And the Lord knows what we're afraid of. He leads us to still waters because he knows what is dangerous. He knows my fears. He knows I'm helpless in turbulent ones. And these waters are still, but they're not stagnant. And let me just say this, and I'm going to get to my last point, which I want to emphasize. Be careful of the ministers, churches, and uh, things you see on television which describe God's water for you as a fire hydrant. Oh, the Lord's moving. It's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. Come get it while it's on me. While it's on me, come get it. Don't listen to that foolishness. The scripture says God will lead you personally to still waters. Now, can God move in that way? Yes. Is that the scriptural pattern? No. I choose to go to waters that he's prepared because I don't know what this catfish has put in these waters. This is not being a skeptic. Trust no one. Try everything. Start with me. Try everything I say. If it contradicts the scripture or the themes or the spirit of the word of God, walk away. Still waters. So picture this. I've eaten till I'm full. I've rested. And when I wake up, he's blocked off this stream so I can come in and refresh myself. The Lord has ways of refreshing his people and maybe at a later day we'll get into that. And I just real feel very important to do emphasize number four. Number four, my shepherd restores me. I didn't know who would be here today, but the Lord did. And this is third in our series. And so he knew that this was especially for someone. It said, he restoreth my soul. Restore means he retrieved my soul. He reversed it. He recovered and rewarded. The soul, excuse me, is that which interacts with you. See, my physical body can't like you. My soul can like you or dislike you. My physical body can uh, feel heat, cold, uh, humidity. Y'all know the heat index was like 109 the other day. I just, I'm just saying. Pray for rain. We're supposed to, it's supposed to be 100% Tuesday. I hope it rains for a month. <laughs> These aren't in my notes. I'm in a very unique mood today. Did you know that? <laughs> our dog Porkchop is 170 pounds. He's a mutt. And we've strawed our whole backyard because it's full of trees and you can't, there, there's no grass will grow. And it was all sand. And we've left him a, a patch of sand about as big as this square. And he gets in that and wallows. And it's so dry, 
Kelly saw him shake yesterday. He did that thing. Like, who was it on Charlie Brown? Like, line, who was it? Yeah, pig pen. Yeah, that's what it was like. So anyway, that has nothing to do with the message, but thought you'd enjoy that. But he restores us. He restores the part of us that feels. The part of us that knows and aches for better days. It's not my... See, in one way, when we repent, he restores us. Yes. And when we come back to God, he restores us. Yes. And that's a beautiful thing. But there are people in here, I know it. It's just by odds. You're trying to find in God what the feeling you had in the world and it's not the same and it's hard to wean your taste off the world see when God saved us he saved us out of Egypt but we still need to get the Egypt out of us I am 30 years this side of alcohol none 30 years July 30 years and I still get tickled Drinking sweet tea with oysters. I just, I'll just drink tea. And, and people will say, what? Well, nothing. You, you wouldn't understand. It's not, this, it's not the same thing. And what God does is he restores our soul by changing us. The longer we're with him, stuff like that is not loss. It's just like you remember being that way. And your soul starts to enjoy other things, the simple things, the tender things, the beautiful things. And your flesh screams. It hates your spirit. They're at war one with another. But the longer you live with the Lord and near the Lord, your soul comes back to life, but not the the way it was. It starts to be sensitive to other things and things that come from the hand of God. David said, he restores my soul, the part of me that wants to serve and be served, to enjoy and be enjoyed, the part of me that can wither away without water, the part that can be so bruised that I cannot enjoy the simple things and I cannot see the beautiful things. Listen to me this morning. No soul is past God's restorative powers and grace. No soul, no soul, no person, no situation, no sin, no crime, no loss, no lack, no void. If you hooked me up to a lie detector and I made this statement to you, a line wouldn't move. No one's too far gone. For God to take what's missing, what has been stolen, what was lost, and retrieve it. Reverse it. And reward that person. He restores shattered souls. Shattered means I don't even know where the pieces are to put back together. It's one thing to heal a broken heart, but what do you do with a shattered soul? He restores helpless souls. He restores hopeless 
souls. Oh, and this is one of my favorites because we always disqualify ourselves. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. There's no other kind. There's no other kind. The scandal of grace is that people like you and I are forgiven and we're, we're, we're received unto himself and then through life, whatever happens our way and the losses and the trials and the traumas and you can't even pick yourself off the floor, he looks for unworthy people like us so that he could magnify his grace and not give it to us because of who we are, but give it to us because of who he is. That's the Lord. He restores the unrestorable. My story now is so far in the rearview mirror. You know, it's 10 years uh, when, when that nightmare began. But there were people that, to my face and behind my back, said, there's no hope for him in God. He's done. You can tell it in his face. Lost 50 pounds. Gaunt. His eyes are black. He's gone. God loves to wait till Lazarus is four days dead. Because if he's only a day dead and resurrected, and they say, well, he wasn't dead. He was in a coma. You say, well, Brother John, it's just impossible. I understand. But he restoreth your soul. It is his idea. It is his system. It is his intention and it is power that it happens. When God gets ready to store, restore, he does so with perfect knowledge of what has happened to you. He does so with perfect knowledge of what has been lost. And he does so with perfect knowledge of how it has left you. Even well-meaning friends can come in and say something. And you'd say to yourself, that's the worst thing you could say. And they're trying to help. But God, my shepherd, knows me intimately and perfectly. In my mother's womb, he knit me together. He's current with me. And when he gets ready to restore, it's as if... If there were a dialogue in his head, it would be, be very careful here. Because one, one push could shatter him again. Be careful here. And I'm in the hands of one who has holes in his hands. And he understands pain and sorrow and ab- abandonment and betrayal and screaming to take his life. And they spat upon him. He understands all of that. And he loves to restore unrestorable people. Lisa, would you come this morning? When he restores, he does so in a variety of ways. He he can restore you instantaneously like Ruth or progressively like Job. He may restore you in a season or by a season. He may restore you through a person, through an opportunity through blessing, or through great change. You may see it happening, or you may be unknowing. Great, great part of my soul was healed by God introducing a beautiful woman to my life named Kelly. Someone that not only was not opposed to me doing ministry, but thrilled at the idea of such who prays for me and loves me, supports me this is no slander on anybody, I'm talking about me and that love and that grace you put enough water on grass, the brownest of grass will come back 
I have friends stop me in this church. They go, you're really happy, aren't you? I said, I really am. Hey, let me just say the last 5%. We all got stuff we'd like to redo. We all got stuff we're embarrassed of. We all got stuff like that. So what are you saying, John? The Lord is my shepherd. He restoreth (laughs) my soul. Unworthily. But he does nonetheless. Listen to this. I'm almost done. When God restores, he does so powerfully. Divine impetus. Decrees from heaven. Did you know God speaks over you? He'll say, bless them. And all the host of hell can't stop it. Heal them. He speaks over us. And when God restores, he's not hoping to get some momentum built up. He restores independently, which means he might use other people, but he's not using any other source. Restoration starts with him, it happens through him, and it ends with him. He's the Lord by himself. And he doesn't need you to help him restore you. He restoreth my soul. He restores unmistakably. He restores sovereignly. All right, I'm going to tell you the carnal part. He restores publicly. I like it. My flesh likes it. I don't put it in their face, but the ones that wrote me off, I love it when my little girls run in the sanctuary and almost knock me down. They're not here anymore, but I wish they would just visit on a day when that happens. And I just look over and go, how you like me now? He restores publicly. The grace that covers us was never merited. It is just how he does. And it's why I love him. All these blessings. And none of them deserved. He restoreth. And do you know why he puts every now and then a pastor on a display who's been a failure? You know why he'll put someone in your life that comes back from the dead? Because you'll get to places in your life and go... It can't happen. Then you go, well, look at John. If God can do that, he can do it. That's what it is. He puts them in your life so that you're without excuse. All you have to do is draw near to him and say, he restoreth my soul. What'd you say? I said, you restore my soul. You brought me back from the dead. This can't be no problem for you. He restoreth me publicly. Oh, and when he restores you, it's beautiful. Ecclesiastes 3 said he makes everything beautiful in his time. He restores completely. And when God restores, he often restores the one who calls out for it. I asked Brian to cue a song here. And I'm going to ask Lisa just to stop here just a moment. And there's that person here today that you're away from the shepherd. You don't need Pastor John's prayer. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Every bleat of a lamb, the shepherd hears. And there is not one person that cries out for restoration that God does not restore. Brian, would you play that for me? Would you just close your eyes in the sanctuary, please?
That's you this morning. I want you to stand where you are. I wore my mask, running away from my past, hiding all my scars, thinking I'd gone too far. But he knew my pain, and he loved me just the same. He promised I'd be free. If I fell on my knees and cried, restore me. I need your mercy. Oh, take me to the place I used to be.
Would you stand with me this morning? I also want to ask for those of you that can help us right after church, five minutes, if you'll help us stack our chairs up in fives. Uh, We're going to have our floor clean this week. And ushers, if you can help us with the dollies and just load them up afterwards. I want to close with this. When God restores someone, it is for the purpose of His glory. Yes, He loves me. But I'm in His story. He's not in my story. I'm in His story. On the inside of my wedding band are the words Psalms 126. And I'd like to read that for you because it's part of my story. When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, when He restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those that dreamed. We couldn't believe this was happening. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then other people said, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord is with you. The Lord has never abandoned you. Abandoned you. You might have went through valleys like the shadow of death, but you didn't fear because the Lord was with you. His rod and his staff comforted you. You were past. Now you're back. You're, it's reversed. He's, he's blessed. I want my life not to be glamorous, but I want people to look at me and say, flaws and all, the Lord has done wonderful things for that guy. You're the billboard. Last statement. He will not restore someone that does not live close to him. We got to be his exclusively. Surrender to him. And if he's the shepherd, which means he makes the decisions, count on it. He will restore your soul. Father, I love you today. And I thank you for the great grace that you've given somebody like me. I wondered how hard it would be to preach this because I wanted to scream the whole message. God restores. God restores. God restores. And I just bless you. I bless you at this season of my life. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, Lord, for the forgiveness of my sins and my failures as a man and a husband and how you brought me back to life and you filled my home with laughter. I bless your great name, O Lord. I pray that we would see you revelationally, that you are no respecter of persons. It's just who you are. It's what you do. It's how you do it. Restore our souls, O Lord. Bring us back to life. Bring us back from the dead. Bring us into your plan for our lives that our life would shout the fame of the Son of God. Go with us as we go out from this place. And Lord, we're looking for you to come back for us. We don't care what people say or they think we're crazy. You can come tomorrow, Lord. Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. So in the name of Jesus this morning, I dismiss you, I bless you, and may all of God's best be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today.